when is it that you choose you? Yeah. When is it that you're going to choose yourself? Yeah. And we're constantly choosing our patients. And by choosing our patients, we're not choosing ourselves. And it's actually making us not choose our future patients. This is Secrets for Success. We live. Welcome to the Secrets for Success podcast. I'm your host, Greg Todd. Today, I have uh, one of the most amazing people that I've met in 2023. Actually, I'd have to say, you know what? I'm going to say this again. The most amazing person that I've met in 2023. Your story is beyond inspirational. Um, I felt an instant connection when I heard you share your story in March, and I'm honored. When I tell you I'm honored, I'm honored that you're on this podcast, Megan Stinson. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. So why don't you uh, tell the people a little bit about um, who you are, uh, your journey into traditional practice ownership, and then what happened to lead you to what you're doing now. Sure. So I'm Dr. Megan Stinson. I am a wife and a mother and a Christian. And when I was going through PT school and saw the typical model for insurance-based care, I knew that I didn't necessarily want to work for somebody else because I still wanted to be able to treat the clients and the patients the way that I thought they needed to be treated. So I knew before the end of my PT school journey that I wanted to own a practice. Um, I did work for an incredible company when I graduated and a wonderful mentor who I still speak with to this day. But I still knew that I wanted to move back home and I wanted to open something that was faith-based that I could serve my community that I came from because it's an underserved population and in the midst of that bring glory to God through all of it. And so I moved back home and actually purchased a practice that my mother and two of her partners had opened because they were trying to get out of that practice. So bought that practice and honestly failed more times than I succeeded mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in so many different ways. And honestly, it came to kind of a breaking point because my kids lived below poverty level for like two years and I wasn't taking home any income. And my husband looked at me one day and he was like, I don't know what you're going to do or what we're going to do, but something has to change. And he said, I don't know what, but something's got to be different. And I said, okay. And so I prayed about it and God tugged on my heart and said, you're going to expand. And I was like, I can't even pay my bills now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm definitely not paying myself now. I don't know what you're doing. So what happened is we'd made the decision. We were either going to close or we were going to expand. And my husband was in favor of closing. And I just, I knew that's not where God was leading me or leading our family. And he loves me enough to trust me. And so we went from a 800 square foot building into a 3,000 square foot space. When we did that, our client numbers shot through the roof and I had to hire more staff and everything seemed to be going in the right direction. I still didn't really know how to run a practice. I definitely didn't know how to run a profitable one. And the solution that I had 
because of low insurance reimbursements and high overhead, again, just because I didn't run it well, was to pack as many clients in the door as I could, to stay as many hours as I possibly could, and to never let one visit go, basically. So I found myself getting up at 5 in the morning to get things ready. I took the kids to either the babysitter or school. I got to my practice, sometimes honestly by 6, and they stayed with me for an hour. And then I took them where they needed to go and then went back to work. Somebody else picked them up and brought them home. And I stayed until 10, 11, midnight to try to get things done and to try to get people seen. So I was pretty much essentially working between 75 to 80 hours a week on a consistent basis. And I would get home, I would sleep a couple hours, and I would get up and do it all over again. And I did that for about eight years. Eight years? Eight years. And what I didn't realize at the time is that I was pushing my body and my staff so hard that I was literally killing myself, and I didn't know it. Um, Both of my kids were special needs and have grown into beautiful, wonderful kids at this point and doing so much better, and I give glory to God for that. But I was burning the candle at not both ends, but I had stuck one out the side and one diagonally (laughs) and one on the other side. looked kind of like a star, (laughs) and I was trying to burn all those candles just to, to make some ends meet. And like at our highest revenue point, we were actually generating seven figures. We were a million-dollar practice. Mm. But I still didn't pay myself enough because I didn't know how to run it. And all I was doing was just, you know, pushing more and more and more into the practice. So in 2018, I woke in the middle of the night and I was 37. And the right side of my face felt tingly. And my arm and my leg felt tingly. And I remember thinking to myself, you're having a stroke. And then I thought, you're 37. That's ridiculous. And I went back to sleep. When I woke the next morning, I tried to get out of my bed and I hit the floor. Because the whole right side of my body had been affected by the stroke. And it's going to make me tear up a little bit. Um, It was terrifying. I knew that my brain processing speed was not right. I was slurring my words. I was having trouble coming up with words. So my husband was talking to me, and I was trying to answer him and couldn't get out the exact right words I wanted, couldn't process, couldn't think about them fast enough. And, you know, he's like, Megan, you need to go to the emergency room. And I'm like, no, I've got to take the kids to school, and I've got to go to work. Mm. And so I got myself together and unsafely, unfortunately, looking back on it now at the time, it just wasn't clear. But I drove my kids to their locations and I went to work. After you had a stroke? After I had a stroke. Because the only thing I could think of was not letting my family down, not letting my patients down, and not letting my staff down. Mm. Because I didn't want to have to let any of that go. Right. You and know, so, go ahead. I, I think, well, there's just, there's so many components and so many layers to this story. Uh, I, I've heard Warren Buffett, uh, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but uh, he, he basically says that you we, we have to be mindful, not of how hard we're rowing the boat, but what type of boat we're in. That's for sure. And, you know, I guess the reason why I resonate so much with your story is because, it's not the same, you know, you're 
a mom, I'm a dad, um, you know, but uh, I had to make the decision of should I contract or should I grow? And I grew as well. Right. Um, we did high volume and you put everybody else first. That's right. You put your patients first. Yep. You put your staff first and everybody else except for yourself. Yep. And the problem too is I was seeing more patients than even the million dollar revenue mm -hmm. because I gave away so much so, right. free care. Right. So and, much free care. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and we, we believe that we're doing a valiant thing and we're doing a right. good thing. Uh, and I think also because you're faith based like myself and we're Christ followers, you know, we just believe like we're just supposed to serve everyone right. and we fail to yeah. take care of ourselves in the process. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a huge mindset shift. It's a huge shift, huge yeah. shift. Uh, and then, and we, and we think we're taking care of our family, but then something happens. And for you, it was a stroke. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first thing. That yeah. was the first thing. Yeah. And I know there's another one, which we're going to talk about. Uh, but basically, what ends, what ends up happening is, and you, I don't even know, did, did you realize how bad of a situation you were in at that time? Mm -hmm. You didn't realize it. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, and, and I find this with many healthcare practitioners. They often think that's just the way it has to be. Right. Because they don't know there's another way or a better way to do it. Right. And that's where I was sitting. It's one of those, I can't see the forest for the trees. Because I had my tree, mm -hmm. and my tree was growing, and the leaves were greener. But if I had looked at the tree next door, or not next door, but the tree next to me, mm -hmm. and went, oh, that's a different tree, right. and it looks better, and it's doing better than mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you get so focused on one way of doing things that you right. don't realize there's another way. There's another way, yeah. yeah. So things didn't end with the stroke. Correct. Something else happened. Correct. A little bit later. Why don't you tell them about that? Sure. So I had the stroke. Um, I waited for about two days and finally went and had an MRI, and it did confirm I'd had a deep lacunar infarct. Mm -hmm. And I continually had little TIAs and little mini events that happened after that. Eventually, I started having more red flag symptoms. And it was one of those things where had I slowed down, it could have maybe been okay, but I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Because, I, well, looking back on it now, I know a, I know that God had a plan. Mm. And I know he had to do something drastic to shift my mindset. Right. And so um, I started having red flags, numbness and tingling in my hands and feet, my arms and legs, significant headaches. Honestly, and then being a little personal, I was having incontinence issues. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, I was falling constantly. I had a service dog <laughs> right. oh, wow. because I couldn't wow. bend over to pick things up. She had to pick things up for me. And she came to the clinic with me and all the things. And eventually, and I went to, I went to so many specialists to try to figure out what was wrong. And of course it was what we see with our clients every day, which I honestly think gives me a little more compassion and insight into what they're going through is there's nothing wrong with you. You're young. You're decently healthy aside from that stroke you had, mm -hmm. but look how well you've recovered which on the outside, it's like a soft sign, you know, on the outside it looks okay, but on the inside, like I can still tell a difference. Right. But so I went through probably five different specialists in my area and they're like, well, you know, we can just send you to the pain clinic. I'm like, listen, guys, I have my doctorate. Mm -hmm. I know something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I went to a geneticist 
who found out that our whole little family has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. And then from that, she sent me to a specialist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the specialist there, they honestly initially had thought I had an Arnold Chiari malformation that had just been unnoticed and had gotten worse because of my EDS. But what had actually occurred is I had a congenital stenosis of my neck around my brainstem and all the way down. Mm. And as I have aged, the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome had progressively gotten a little bit worse and had caused that to be more of an issue. And what they found was that the congenital stenosis, number one, was encroaching on my brainstem, which was a portion of the reason I was having strokes. Mm. But also my blood pressure on top of that, because I didn't sleep, I didn't eat well, I was working constantly, completely under stress, made everything like a compounded effect. And so... In 2019, oh, and I also had a bone tumor. We have never even talked about that. Wow. And that was that was a little earlier. But, you know, all of these things God was trying to tell me to slow down or to do it differently, and I just didn't listen. But in 2019, I had a massive, massive spinal cord surgery. Um, I had a disc at C4 that was bisecting my cord. So that combined with the narrowing around my cord um, had basically pinched my spinal cord almost in half in areas. Mm. And that's why I was having all the red flag symptoms. Right. Wow. So. So now you get to that point where you're like, all right, I've got to make a massive change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you decided to go uh, and say, I'm not going to do my business the way that I have done it, where it's basically stressing my body mm-hmm. and you know, and it's just something that's not sustainable. So you decided to go in a different direction. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. So um, I left my practice, which was one of the hardest things I've ever done because it was a portion of my identity. And I always said it was my child. So I had my first son and then I had the business and then I had Ethan, my second Mm son. And so I walked away from that because I knew that my family had to be a priority because I almost got to the point to where they couldn't be anymore. Right. Um, I was told that I wouldn't walk without an assistive device and that I would never be able to work again. They had filled out the disability paperwork for me. I couldn't lift more than 25 pounds, which is what we always hear people tell our Mm -hmm. clients. And thank the Lord, and I I mean that in all seriousness, that's not the plan he had, and it was definitely not the direction I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And so I stepped away from my practice and worked off my non-compete in other areas. So I did school system. I did home health for two years and then some other things for a year. And my former employee and I decided to open a cash-based practice. Okay. Before you get into yes. the journey of cash-based, can we talk about um, all the people that you were serving at the clinic that you had? Mm-hmm. When you realized that your body couldn't do this anymore. And at this point, you're really making a decision between you're, you're choosing your life right. and to basically keep things going in as best a way as you can for your two sons and your husband. Right. Or you're going to choose your patients. Right. Okay. So you ended up choosing your life Correct. and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to listen to the whispers that God is whispering or maybe the yells Smack. at this point. <laughs> And you're like, I'm going to choose my life and I'm going to leave these patients. So can I ask you a question? Sure. 
those patients, where are they now? Dispersed throughout multiple different agencies. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have re- a lot of relationships with them today? Um, a lot of them, yes, I do. You do? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Not necessarily professional, but... Yeah. I mean, I right. still... I love... You know this about me. Yeah. I sincerely love everybody. You love people. I know. I know. Yeah, so... I, I think the reason why I bring this up is because there's a lot of people that are listening to this right now, and they can resonate with you. Sure. Uh, I did a five-day challenge this time last year. It was in October of last year. And there was someone, her name was Carol. She was on the challenge, right? And uh, she was in VIP. So in VIP, they all get to ask questions and this and that. And this was the last day of the challenge. And she got to ask her question. It was time for her to speak. And she said, she just started crying. Like she was crying. And she basically was telling me about, she works at a hospital. This lady, Carol, works at a mm-hmm. hospital. And one of her best friends, who's been there for like 20-something years, like had never really taken off for a vacation mm. in her 20 years. Mm. And so Carol, and she was struggling. I mean, just the same stories of what me and you were saying. Yeah. Just We just serve our patients so much. And she says for the, uh, of the 20 years, I think 18 years, Carol worked with her. And Carol was just like, you, you got to take a vacation, you got to take time off, you know, this. She's like, I can't, I can't leave my patients, I can't leave my patients, I can't leave my patients. Right. Anyways, um, she wasn't feeling well. And it was her first day off in like three years. Mm. And she died two days later, just died. Mm. And Carol said, when she was at the funeral, none of those people all the people that she chose over herself weren't there. Yeah. And I, she just started bawling. Yeah. So she was like literally telling us, you have to choose yourself. You do. You've got to choose yourself. That's true. And I'm like you. Like you realize like I can't just do the professional. Right. It's, it has to be a little personal as well. It has to be well. personal. Um, but that but does make it harder to say no. It does make it harder it to does. say no. And I think yeah. that's... Our kryptonite sometimes. It's truth. And so, uh, you and know. I've lost, I've lost people and friends because now I do. Right. You know, I right. have boundaries in place now that I never had before. Right. But that's also, you know, a testament to the story that I came from and the mindset shift that I've had to exactly. have to survive. Right. I think this is, I think this part right here, is speaking to so many people right now. When is it that you choose you? When is it that you're going to choose yourself? Yeah. And we're constantly choosing our patients. And by choosing our patients, we're not choosing ourselves. And it's actually making us not choose our future patients. Well, and it's also, it it makes you unsustainable. Right. So, and that's what I tell like the people that I coach Mm -hmm. and the people that come into my office is that you cannot, you can, you can either try to treat everybody and tell everybody yes. And you can be unsustainable mm-hmm. or you can choose to start telling people no, shift your mindset, treat the right people instead of every person right, and continue to serve instead of serving nobody. Right. So you can either serve nobody or you can serve the right people. Right. You heard me talk in our private group about 
living in abundance. Mm. But in order to live in abundance, you actually have to do abundant-based activities. Yes. Uh, and that right there is an abundant-based activity. It's yes. me understanding that I just need to serve the right people. Absolutely. And the right people are people that understand my boundaries. That's exactly right. They understand that I'm going to choose my provider, I'm going to choose my God, and I'm going to choose myself first. Yes. And then I will take care of everyone else after. And those that can't abide to those boundaries are not my people. It's like when you get on an airplane. Right. You know, if you don't put your oxygen mask on first, you can't save the kid that's next can't to you that you love. Next to you. you got it. You know, you it's it. the same thing. You got it. Oh, I hope that's speaking to y'all. Whoever <laughs> y'all is, you know who you are. Anyways, I guarantee um, it. Whether you want to admit it or not, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, you know who you are. Uh, yeah. So now you decided to go into business with a former employee mm -hmm. and you now start your practice. Correct. And so kind of bring us through the journey of where that started, where it is now, and then now the shift that we're making <laughs> okay. to helping other sure. people. Okay, so we started our cash-based practice in 2021, mm -hmm. right after the pandemic. And really and truly, by all rights, a lot of people would have said it was crazy. But we knew, number one, without a shadow of a doubt, that God had led us to that. Um, there was another larger clinic who's also in your inner circle mm -hmm. uh, that opened two months before we did, uh, which was which was great and wonderful because I love that they're there. Right. I really do. They serve a lot of people. Um, and then number three, we're in a very rural area. Right. And people across the nation have messaged me out of the blue to tell me that a cash-based practice would never work mm. in a rural area. And... I don't know. Some of, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the business coaches talk about snowflake syndrome. Mm -hmm. Some and where, oh, well, my situation's very different. It would never work here because of X, Y, and Z. And I get to look at people and say, you know what? I'm here and my situation is X, Y, and Z. And it's still beautiful and it still works and right. it still provides. Right. So we started our practice in 2021. We are fully ministry based. It is, we are open about our faith there. And I do believe that that's what drives a lot of our customers to come see us. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of things is that, number one, cash-based practice is not like insurance-based practice. Mm -hmm. You cannot run it the same way. You have to learn how to sell your services ethically. And when I say ethically, you know what that means. Right. But for everybody else yeah. listening, <clears throat> that means that you have to learn to sell, but you're selling because you know you can help that person. Right. And it's not just selling to make money because that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. At least that's not what it should be about. Right. So you have to sell ethically. You have to work for people to walk in your door. You have to get out there and you have to pound the pavement. You have to generate the leads because people don't just walk in with a doctor's script because nine times out of ten, the physicians that we went to talk to when we were learning to do this practice also said the same thing everybody else did. Cash-based practice, good luck with that. Right. And so doors shutting in a million different directions. So we had to learn to market to the clients and the patients and not to the physicians, which is typically what you would do in an insurance-based practice. 100%. Yep. And then, you know, we learned that we also had to get people into a conversation, like you teach all the time in all of your things. Right. If you can get into a conversation with them, and then you can show them the value that you provide that's different than the insurance practice. Right. So the cash-based practice... For us, is one-on-one -on -one care all the time. It helps me do better. 
It helps our staff see the clients more fully so their attention is not divided. It's kind of like a boutique or a concierge type service. It is not for everybody, but I will tell you that what we have found is that people will pay for what their priorities are. Right. And we don't sell physical therapy because you can get physical therapy a million places in town, not really a million, like three. Mm-hmm. But what we sell is the end result that we can get you faster because of the one-on-one specialized care. Right. And the other thing that was hard for me, and this was a good ego check and a pride check for me, but I thought, hey, you know what? I've won best PT in my town for the last seven years running. You know, all these people, as soon as I open this practice, they're going to flood my doors Mm. and it's going to be amazing. (laughs) And we're going to have all this stuff and we're going to outgrow this clinic and they all know me and they all love me and they're all going to come. And that is not the case. Right. So the people that we see in our cash-based practice are not the same people we saw when we did insurance. Right. But that's not always a bad thing because what we find is our conversion rates as far as people actually going into a full plan of care and staying there, the people who are compliant with their exercise programs, the people who keep their appointments. We've got a significantly low cancellation rate, Mm -hmm. like maybe 10%. Right. But the reason that is is because the people are investing their money up front into our practice, and they are the people who really want to be there and who really want to get better. Right. They're more of a joy to serve because you know at the end of the day when I send you home with an exercise program, I can see them one time a week and get them better faster than a lot of the insurance-based clinics that are seeing them three times a week. Mm-hmm. But that is because we frame it in the very beginning. Look, your money and your time is valuable. My time is valuable. You are here because you want to be. If you do your exercises, I see you once a week, we get the most out of your visits. Mm -hmm. If you don't do your exercises, you're going to end up paying me more money. So the choice is yours. Mm -hmm. And so I have a total knee who was scheduled for 18 visits at a different provider's office. Called me, spoke with her. We were done in six visits for less than what her co-pays plus the bill at the end would have been in the other provider. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, it's it's so fascinating because uh, as someone who has had an insurance-based practice, and for me, been quite successful with that, and then also running cash-based businesses now, and been very successful with that, I realized that there is a market for everyone. There is, absolutely. But what you must understand is how to do business in whatever business it is that you're doing. You have to be good at what you're doing. You have to be good at what you're doing. So ironically, I I think of even your area. There is someone that is in our program. Absolutely. That, by the way, do you know when I started working with him? Did he tell you? Uh Uh-uh. So in 2015, when I decided that, because my my staff told me, Greg, you really need to help people out there, da-da-da. I started doing these YouTube videos because sure. they, they just put the camera in front of my face, my the, their, their iPhones, and they started posting it to YouTube. And then I started in 2015. I said, all right, I'll just talk to people. I was working two days a week in my clinics at that point. Right. So I had three days where I can just have conversations with people. Sure. I had like 150 phone conversations that year. Wow. And that guy was a student. That's awesome. And I would talk to him once every month. If only I could have found you years ago. Yeah, well. (laughs) 
Isn't that oh, what the that's sales? The that's the sales thing. thing at the end, though, right? The only problem is you didn't know about me you sooner. You didn't know about me sooner. <laughs> so he came out of school and he was like, JT, um, I, you know, I've learned a lot from you. I don't think I can work for this guy anymore. And then I said, well, go open up your own thing. Yeah, but I'm only it. three months out. I said, well, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So yeah. he went and now he's got 90 employees. But, here, but yeah, here's the he's deal. He's amazing. It's a crazy. But here's the thing. It's like, if you understand the business, because here we are, we're thinking you're like, you guys are listening and I, I want this to be very clear. And I, I believe you're going to agree with me with this. Mm -hmm. If you run a cash-based practice wrong, it's going oh, to destroy you. Absolutely. If you run an insurance-based practice wrong, it's going to destroy you. Absolutely. That guy is running his insurance-based practice very volume-based. Yeah, it is. But he's running it. He's running the business in a way where he's doing about seven million. He's on. Yeah, he, he's on he's track doing amazing. Seven, seven million this year. Yeah, right. But you can also run it, and it can kill you. Like Absolutely. what it killed, it nearly killed you, and it nearly and the, killed you know, me. And I admitted to that. You right. know, I told you I ran it wrong. Right, and <laughs> I just I think this is so important. And and now even with the clinic that the clinics that I had, I no longer run them. Right. And be honest with you, y'all, they're being run to the ground now. Like it's it's a it's a sad sight yeah. to see. It and it comes, can happen fast. And it can happen so fast. Yep. And so what I, I want you all to take from what Megan is saying is that you need to know how to do business mm -hmm. in whatever business it is that you're doing. Yeah. Now, Megan, it, it was in her best interest with everything that was going on in her life circumstances that she did what she did. Absolutely. And so now today... You're helping a lot of people who want to get into business because you've invested in yourself Absolutely. and you have really learned business over this last two years, right? Last year and a half, two yeah, years, right? Really and truly, yeah. And, um, you know, I want to say this. <laughs> well, over 12 years, uh -huh. you know, I learned a lot of ways to do it wrong. Right. And there well, are a lot of ways to do it right based on what I did wrong. <laughs> which makes you so, one of the best coaches. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I've got 12 years of that private practice where, yeah. you know, eight years of running it the wrong way. And then, right. you know, now we have this. So so let's talk now about what you're helping people with. With Absolutely. all the trials or tribulations that you've gone through um, throughout your two businesses, very few people have been in a cash-based business and an insurance-based business. And even with your insurance-based business, very few people have ever hit seven figures. Yeah. And you have been able to have a certain amount of success in both of them. And so can you quickly tell people about what you're doing now? Sure, absolutely. So I have founded a coaching company, mm -hmm. because you told me to, yes. <laughs> that's called Direct Impact Business Solutions. And it's kind of twofold. Mm -hmm. So the first focus is to help medical practitioners, not just PTs, but I see this trend everywhere. So medical practitioners who are getting burned out. Right. I almost left the profession more than once. Mm. And some of the very best who run themselves in the ground because they want to serve are doing that. Right. So my goal is to help those people be aware and learn how to do it a different way. So taking people from that insurance-based model, whether it's a practice they own 
or they've just been working in it. Right. You know, I got a lot of people that reach out and say, hey, I've been working in this practice forever. Their productivity standards are killing me. I don't feel like I'm doing justice to the clients giving, you know, seeing 22, 24 a day, doing an eval and a re-eval and a treatment at the same time. Can you help me? Like, hey, yeah, let's start your own thing. Right. Let's do it cash-based. You know, the whole point of cash-based, not the whole point, but one of the benefits is, again, serving quality client leads instead of high volume. Right. So you have to see less. There, you know, I feel like I give better care. Right. I'm a lot more hands-on. The There's treatments no are doubt. a lot more specific. Right. I mean, it's just like you and me. If we're mm -hmm. having a coaching call and you're addressing my specific concerns, not that the group calls aren't great because I still get so much value, mm -hmm. but it's specific to what I need and it pushes me forward faster. Right, right. And so I'm helping practitioners of all medical backgrounds mm -hmm. swap from an insurance-based system and model to a cash-based system and model to give them more freedom from insurance restrictions, less productivity standards, more freedom over their time, and honestly, a better client population. Right. Now, I'll tell you, when you do that, it is really hard to tell the people who want to use their insurance that you've loved forever, this is the way we do it now. Right. But at the end of the day, I mean, and, and I'll tell you this too, the first thing I do with my coaching clients is I have them create their vision board because I want them to be clear as to why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Because that allows you, if you know the vision you're working toward, it allows you to say no a whole lot easier to the things that don't push you toward that. Right. I, I absolutely love this. And I have to tell you all, as someone that's been on both sides, if I had to do it over, I would go cash from the get-go. I want people to understand that you can win in insurance, but it's a whole different ballgame. It is. And you can't do insurance being small. No. I just want everybody to understand it's that. True. So right now, if you're listening, before we finish, if you're listening and you want to work for yourself and you're struggling with insurance, I highly advise you to reach out to Dr. Megan Stinson. She's going to give you her information in a second and find out how you can make that transition. Or if you are someone that's like, I want to get into business, I want to do this, um, and I need to get started. I'm, as someone that you listen to, as the authority here, I'm telling you, if you want to go um, smaller and you want to have a business that has the highest probability of surviving, you need to have a business that has low capital expenses mm -hmm. and as small of overhead as possible so That's that right. you can be profitable. And when you're profitable, then you can scale. You can invest in That's yourself, it. you can invest in advisory, you can invest in marketing. And that's how you can grow. So yeah. within it, within a year and a half, right? Our cash-based business had about sixty percent profit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It is. That's ridiculous. But again, we also had help from other coaches. Right. Um, if I can mention Aaron Labauer, of course, Aaron I love Aaron Labauer. Yeah. And and here's the thing, you know, just like the company that's like your inner circle guy yeah. who's amazing. Right. Everybody flocks to different coaches for different reasons. Right. And there are plenty of people to go around. Right. Aaron was amazing for us. Right. He helped me change my mindset a little bit more mm -hmm. and helped us figure out our rates better. But honestly, again, like if I were looking at most businesses fail within the first one to five years and we're 60% profitable within a year and a half. Right. That's insane. Right. It's crazy. It's insane. It's crazy. But exactly what you said, it's low overhead. 
and, you know, low capital on the front end. Right. And then just making the right choices along the way. Right. Yeah. I think it's so. just, it's, it's so key to put yourself in a position where if you are to work hard and you do the right things, you can succeed. Absolutely. The, the stressful thing is a lot of people are working hard, but they never actually created the proper business model. Right. So it, you're putting. And that's your, where I was. Right. And you're, and yeah. you're, you're running, but you're running up. A, a, a slippery slope and it's just really hard to get to the top that's right so um can i say something before we finish absolutely i, I want to honor you um you are you are such a servant and i can just tell you this um i'm just hoping that as you are in my world that i can just let you um just encourage you to continue to go i truly believe that you are going to be one of the most impactful coaches. Thank you. And one of the most impactful consultants in business, period. I'm not just talking about healthcare, Thank in you. business, period. Um, you have a heart of gold. You have, um, you've gone through a lot of things that basically just allow people to connect with you. Sure. I don't think I've ever connected with any clinician as fast as I connected with you. I just knew that after 35 minutes of listening to happy. your story, <laughs> 35 minutes to listen to your story. I just said, I want her in my world. That's it. Um, and so that's just because of everything you've gone through. So I say that to you because everything that you've gone through is going to bless so many people. It's blessed me. And I'm just thankful and honored that you. you're in my sphere in some way. I'm, I'm really honored am. to be in your sphere. Yeah, and well, I'm honored that you're in mine. Uh, it's been amazing. So anyways, thank you, Megan. I Absolutely. appreciate you so much. Thank you so much.